So the title of the message that I would like to bring, I've touched on this before in times gone by, um, but I think as we see the changing of the world and how, how things are changing so dramatically, um, I can tell you I don't recognize this world to the world that I grew up in. It's a different world. Sometimes I think to myself, I didn't think I'd be here to see this, Lord. I remember sitting under the end time preachers and um, all that they would say, but many of the things that they said, they couldn't have even imagined, I think, fully of what has happened in the earth. The broader sense, yes, but the detail, the detail. But I want you to know so that you never get confused that when Jesus came to the earth, Israel was under occupation. That means they had an oppressing force over them called the Romans. Surely God knew Israel wasn't free. Surely. Well, that's the whole point. You see, because in Christ, is freedom, not the world. You can have a democratic country and be bound and have no freedom in your life. So in Christ is the freedom. And so the Lord brings Jesus in the midst of occupation, in the midst of COVID. God says, plant another church. He's not moved by COVID. He's not moved by any government because the earth and the fullness belongs to him. Now, if, and it does, as the world and the fullness belongs to him, we ought to live in the fullness of him on earth. Think about that. Thank you, Lord. So do you want a title of the message? To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Now, particularly the time in which we're living, it becomes more relevant. So I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel 15, and I want to read verse 10, 2.23. It's a long read, but if that's all we do, that's what's important, is get the word out. I want you to listen carefully. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, listen to this, and I don't have time to go back and pick up the earlier part of how Saul got to this place, but you do that study in your own time. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 12, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, 
Saul went to Carmel, and indeed, he set up a monument for himself. Don't miss these key passages. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. So Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. He made a nice spiritual statement. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Liar. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have been brought, they have, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Well, if you read before, when the mission was given to Saul, he was clearly told, You destroy everything. Everything that lives, destroy it. But you see, what happened is he became important in his own sight. He started to rewrite the plan of God. You never do that. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, Remember this. When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of God? He lost his way because of materialism. He was a king already. He already had wealth. But it wasn't enough. He was greedy. See, ministry can make you full of yourself. Be careful. Be careful. It's not because you're smart or I'm smart. It's because of the anointing of God. Let me speak to men. If you ever get near ministry, and suddenly women are interested in you. It's not you, sucker. It's the anointing. How come they weren't there with you before you knew God? Sorry, but I just had to put that out there. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel. Yeah. It was not his doing. 
Now the Lord sent you on a mission. How many times have I watched believers fail in their mission? Why? Mostly because they get into disobedience, which is essentially sin anyway, but they get into disobedience and then they try and offer God sacrifices. It's, it's too late. You just repent and don't touch anything else. Because he has the instruction, go utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And, Samuel, and Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of the Amalek. He was told to destroy him. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He lied. The king was an Amalekite. But the people, this is what happens when you're in disobedience, you look for a scapegoat. Disobedience causes you to look for other people for why your ministry, your life, your marriage, your whatever is not progressing. But the people took of the plunder. He's the authority. Why did he not stop them taking the plunder? Because he had lust in his heart. The sheep and the oxen, notice, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed so we can sacrifice it to the Lord. It was never going to the Lord. It was going to his sheep pen. To the Lord your God in Gilgal, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. It's amazing how even the unsaved can shout to the glory of God. <laughs> Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. I'm just claiming that shout for the Lord. Amen. Don't look at me like I'm crazy, because I am. <laughs> Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Be careful, husband and wife. Well, she or he can just suffer a while. I'm not saying I'm sorry. That's stubbornness. That's pride. It falls. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And we'll look at another subject, another passage of scripture just now. The Western church isn't too familiar with the word sacrifice. Think about that. We don't really understand sacrifice, the Western world. It's not something we're familiar with. But essentially what a sacrifice is, is giving up something 
which is highly valuable for something regarded as more important, not in your eyes. Did you get that? You must be able to release. You know, God checks our heart. So obedience affords us the opportunity to learn how to live by faith. You didn't hear what I said. See, faith grows by the Word, but obedience affords you the opportunity to learn the ways of God in faith. There's no price you can put on that. There is simply no price you can put on that. Now what you see with Lot is he obeyed the Lord, but his wife didn't. And so, think about what the impact was on the family because she turned into a pillar of salt. Think about that. They had children. They had grandchildren. Because he went and fetched his son-in-laws and his daughters. But suddenly, grandma, big salt. (laughs) Think about that. The best the kids could do was go and lick the salt. (laughs) I'm not being frivolous. I want you to think. There's grandma. (laughs) Think about that. There's grandma. It's terrible. (laughs) Come on. So the consequences on the family were dire. No question. Now the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 1, which you could quote, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present. Who presents? You and I do. What does obedience require? (coughs) Presenting our bodies. How many of you know your spirit doesn't go to spa and your body stays here? (laughs) Come on. You know, the Christian got started to pervert this. No, I wasn't in church, but I was with you in spirit. Liar, you were watching the latest rugby game. (laughs) Come on, family. Come on. Think about it. Think about it. Your body doesn't leave your spirit. Your spirit doesn't float around. Wherever your body goes, that's where your spirit grows. So what's he talking about? This is incremental steps of obedience to the Word of God. That's the living sacrifice. You with me? You know, when you, you may think, um, you may not think it, thank you, Lord. The Lord said to me, don't get into presumption. I just got a rebuke. Because I was about to say, you may have thought that I stayed an extra week to enjoy it. He said, don't say that. Can rebuke quickly, hey? Because I don't have the right to say that. I was just going to say it. 
You missed that one. So sacrifice requires continual incremental steps. We were set. We really needed to get back here. We had a lot of work back here. And I woke up one morning and I said to my wife, we cannot go back. We have to stay. Never mind how long our list is back home. We have to stay and see this through. That's what the Lord told me. Why? I'm the authority. I can't leave it to my wife. Now, if my wife, if the Lord had spoken to my wife and she had spoken to me, it would have witnessed. But you understand, he'll speak to you, head of the home. First, if you don't listen, then he's going to talk to your wife. He will witness whatever he says to you, to your wife's heart anyway. Because you're called as one, not two. There cannot be two opinions in the home. I said, there cannot be two opinions in the home. Except to agree, how shall they walk? Is that not part of the biggest problem in Christian homes? Because the Bible says, if two agree, Upon any one thing, so it shall be. We know that a thousand is put to flight by one. And then the exponential component of truth kicks in. And 10,000 by two. That's a good return. And that's for obedience. Okay? So, self-preservation. Let me help you here. What he was after was he, in case God didn't pull off this kingship for him, he's just going to help God. I know none of you have ever done this because thou art holy. <laughs> Self-preservation is the enemy, the arch enemy of obedience. Because when you have to leave in obedience, it's going to attack your flesh. Your mind's going to go, but what about you? How are you going to live? Who's going to pay the light bulb? Where's the fuel coming from? They'll take your car away. Self-preservation always kicks in. Always. Amen? Do you believe this? You better because self-preservation is the seed of disobedience. Because you're feeding the appetite of the flesh. You with me? So we need to be extremely careful because disobedience leads to rebellion. And rebellion comes in many forms, but it ultimately lands up as witchcraft. So God calls us to co-labor with Him in His Word. Not our Word, His Word. God calls us to co-labor with Him in His Word. And He requires absolute obedience. 
We should minister on this continuously. Now I want you to see something tonight. The reason he requires absolute obedience to his word, not your word or my word, is because obedience brings down the anointing of God. So if we're in disobedience and we were anointed, we become dangerous. We get like those guys, call down lightning and just destroy them. That's how we get. Because something happens to our character as we walk in obedience to God's way. And the best way you can put it is His Word. So if God has spoken, and it doesn't matter what it is, he anoints for the task that he has spoken. So if you take what he's done in Charleston, he's done that by himself. We are just merely, I'll go there, Lord. Watch this. Watch this. That's two. Two Corinthians, sorry. Watch this. Obedience versus sacrifice. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This is free. We're going to be finished now, now. I'm about to wrap up, ma'am. But we have, have you ever watched somebody yawn in church? Don't look at my eyes, otherwise you know who I'm talking about. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. When we were on, when we were in, um, where were we? I don't know, we've been to so many places. Where was the, where was the potter's? Wheel. Was that Rhodes? When we were in Rhodes, um, they took us to the fifth generation man that is a potter. Literally, that's what they do. They make ceramic pots, clay pots, not ceramic. And he starts with the lump. And I just stood there and watched. And this God was just ministering to me. And he starts with his hand, literally about as big as that. It's on the potter's wheel. Switches on the motor and starts. It's spinning. And he starts the next thing. He's got a beautiful vase like that. Shaped perfectly. Perfectly. 
That's what the Father wants to do with you. He did it in minutes. Minutes. But he's a fifth generation. Is that in the Bible? Yes. But we don't want to co-labor with him. See, the clay was working with the potter. I noticed the clay never jumped off and ran away. It just stayed there. That's what we do. He starts to put his fingers to get the shape right. Ow! Gone. I'm, I'm leaving this church. I'm going to another one now. The Lord called me there. And off they go. Right? Come on, family. Come on. This is truth. This is truth. It stayed there until it was finished. Being formed it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Then it's got to go through a process. It goes out into the sun, 35 degrees, and gets baked. Then when it's finished being baked, they put it in a furnace. Are you ready for this? This is your life we're talking about. Come on. Gets hot, we quit. Gets resistant, we quit. This can't be God. I've got problems. This can't be God. Right? It's not God. The devil just wants to see how far he can push you. Right? So Jesus demonstrates absolute obedience. Let's just look at those two scriptures, John 5. I've given these scriptures to you many times, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What is the title of the message? You're amazing. No wonder God loves you and I love you. You're amazing. You listen. John 5 verse 19. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees, the Father do. How does He see Him? For whatever He does, the Son does in like manner. How did He do it? He spoke. The Father never came down to the earth to do it. He spoke. Watch verse 13. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will. Hello. Because I do not seek my own will. Because I do not seek my own will. Many years ago when I first got saved, I wasn't, I wasn't going to the ministry. The Lord had spoken to me and I was busy trying to convince the Lord that if I was a businessman, I'd be his best tither. There was no point in me being in the ministry because he needed my money. <laughs> but one of the things that I would do with my, we weren't married then yet, no. One of the things I'd do with my blonde was um, I was a windsurfer. And so I'd load up, yeah, sure, imagine that, yeah, imagine that, huh, sure, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I nearly challenged them in Turkey, no, in Corinth, <laughs> close, they just, they close. I saw these guys, remember in Corinth, 
windsurfing. Yo, yo. I nearly changed my mind about coming back and <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> anyway, what would happen was the dam that that I could have used, and um, Clinton and Yvette and Richard and Lauren will know this, was the, um, there was a Boxburg Dam and it was great, but it was small. And the problem was that when you fell off, because it was only about that deep, you were in duck mire everywhere. <laughs> Got lots of ducks. And the, the dam in certain areas was just mire over years. So that wasn't a good place to windsurf. So we would go out to a place called Whitbank, which was about an hour and 10 minutes away, and the wind would come up, and I would, okay, blonde, we're going. We go to church in the morning. I know that the afternoon, there's sun, thunderstorms in the summer, so the wind's gonna blow. Off I go to Whitbank. One hour and 10 minutes plus minus drive. Get there, wind was blowing all the way. Get there, no wind. I can't tell you how many times it happened. Eh? If I didn't go on Sunday, wind blew. Not on, on Sunday, no wind. Can blow, get there, phone, check. Is the wind blowing? Yes, howling here. Okay, <laughs> off I go, no wind. Now I wasn't in the ministry. I was just a person that had got saved and busy going to church and looking for a bit of recreation but I had a call. Which although I didn't validate at the time, he did. So he just changed the weather. You can look at me like I'm crazy at a new gate. I'm telling you, this is what happened. Finally, I said to the Lord, okay, I'll give up windsurfing. And I gave it up. You see, what I was doing was sacrifice. I've been to church on Sunday morning. I mean, let's not push this, Lord. I love you, but I've got to windsurf. Are you with me? And there's been many of those opportunities where I had to lay down my will for His will. And I don't regret it one moment, not one iota, when I see what he has been able to allow us to experience, both spiritually, mentally, socially, physically, financially. Two Philippians, Philippians 2. There's no two Philippians, Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 18. Let's go there very quickly. We're out of time. What's wrong with this clock? In America, it lasts much longer than this. Philippians chapter 2. You know what time the average in community used to finish in America? 11 o'clock. By then you're pushing them out. You must go home now. <laughs> Come on, you're tired, go home. <laughs> Philippians 2 verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Humility is an act of obedience. Humility is an act 
of obedience in our heart, not adherence to religious ritual. In 1 Samuel, verse 13 to 14, I want to give you this. But now your kingdom shall not continue. God talking to Samuel. I have witnessed many men that have lost their ministries and women. But now your kingdom shall not continue. This is not God. This is man's disobedience. Pushing where they shouldn't go. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. See, God has sought for one after his own heart. God calls us, and I close, God calls us when we're little in our own eyes. All of us. And this is something weird about you. You start out in your heart reverencing God. There's no familiarity. There's just thankfulness of the lifting of sin off our lives. Now that word little means extremely and unusually small. That's what it means. I better hurry up. The yawnings are increasing. <laughs> so, we're vulnerable in this state when we're little in our own sight. And that's when God's support and protection can be manifested in the fullness and we won't contaminate it. That doesn't mean you have weird humility. No, not me, brother. I'm just sitting here. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, remember, obedience to what God has said. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Where are you disobedient? Not condemnation. Don't, don't, don't look at condemnation. I gave you my testimony, one of my testimonies of how I try to convince God. Let the others do the Sunday night. But he had a bigger plan that windsurfing could never bring me. Are you with me? He's not against windsurfing. He gave us the ability to create it. But it wasn't for me. because he had a call. How much do you value a call? I'm not talking about going to the fivefold ministry even. Do you value the call as a new covenant minister? Do you value? This is a narrow road, family. And that narrowness is not a negativeness. It's not negative. It's just understanding that the loss to gain principle Bring so much more.
And so try and watch your life. Allow the Word to reflect into your life, not to bring a sacrifice to God. Bring obedience every day. Think about that. Every day, bring obedience to Him. It's going to test you. And it never goes away because you've got an unrenewed body, right? So you've always, Paul said, you've always got to put it down so that the purposes of God can be made manifest. Amen? So you are diligent, you're hungry, you're thirsty. You come diligently to listen to the Word. My thing to God is this. I don't want them to be hearers, Lord. I want them to be doers. Amen. I want you to be doers. Not task orientated. Okay, I'm an usher. Thank God you're an usher. But don't let that be the sacrifice for the other things that you're not doing. Are you with me? Are you with me? It's very, very important.